Terrific. Thank you very much, Julie, for reading. G'day, everybody. I'm Mike. If I didn't get a chance to uh, see you on the way in, uh, one of the pastors here. Uh, we're going to be digging into that. Please keep your Bibles open because we're going to be digging into that passage in just a second. Uh, sort of a bit of a question though to kick things off today. I wonder, have you got a hot spot? You know, like a button that when pressed gets you really fired up. Uh, maybe a subject like politics or parenting or sport or schooling, a subject that you are so passionate about that when anyone touches it, they're going to hear exactly what you've got to say about it. Have you got a hot spot or two? I definitely have. And it shouldn't surprise you to know, so does Jesus. Today we come to one of those subjects. Because see, in Luke 12, Jesus is preaching to a crowd of thousands of people when suddenly, kind of out of nowhere, this guy pipes up with this random request. It's totally unrelated to what Jesus is doing and saying, but it touches a hot spot. And so instead of Jesus like brushing it aside or kind of dealing with it later, he stops what he's doing. He fires up and he expresses his mind on the subject. So let's take a look. As I said, it'd be great if you had your Bibles open on Luke chapter 12, starting from verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So at first Jesus is like, man, you know, that's not what I'm here for, okay, to sort out your family's money squabbles. But then, okay, knowing what's beneath this man's question, Jesus is like, okay, okay, you think you've got a money problem, but you don't have enough. I will show you the real problem. Greed. Greed. So, if you really want to go there, okay, if you really want to start me on that topic, let's go. And then, knowing that greed's not just an issue for this man, but an issue for the whole crowd, Jesus um, doesn't just address this man's kind of family spat, he addresses the whole crowd, and he goes off on one of the most concentrated pieces of teaching in the entire Bible on greed, read money and possessions. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to just kind of simply work our way through what Jesus says here. Firstly, to the crowd, okay, which is just as relevant to all the crowds in today's culture, including this one. And then what he says to his own disciples, which of course is to us too, if we're Jesus' disciples today. We're just going to take each in turn. Firstly, to the crowd. Jesus starts with a very strong warning. Verse 15, he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why? Because greed is dangerous. And so he's like, watch out! Now, maybe some people think Jesus is kind of overreacting a little bit here. Like maybe, is he being a bit like one of those, you know those jumpy backseat drivers? Have you ever driven with someone like that? You know the ones, they, they're, they're in your passenger seat and, and they might see something on the road way out ahead that they think you can't see, and they'll go, Danger, look out! Ever driven with someone like that? All the while, you know, you're driving. You can see what's happening. You've got things under control. Is Jesus being like that here? Is he a jumpy backseat driver here? Well, let me ask, 
Let me ask you. Who here thinks they're really greedy? Hands up, you think you're a really greedy person. I don't see any hands. <laughs> and you know, I wouldn't actually expect to see many hands because, you see, greed is actually often hidden in one of our blind spots. In fact, blindness to the condition is usually part of the condition, which means that we will just naturally, automatically underestimate our greed and its danger. And so if that's the case, and clearly it is with the uh, lack of response there, it's really important then for us to sit up, you know, to take the foot off the, the greed accelerator a little bit and to take note of what Jesus is saying here to what the Son of God, okay, not some anxious backseat driver, but to what God the Son is saying to us when he says, danger, watch out, be on your guard. Because you see, we guard against all kinds of other things, don't we? You know, we guard our possessions, our home and our cars with locks and alarms. We, we guard against sickness and accidents with all kinds of insurance. And yet what Jesus is telling us we really need to guard against is greed. Of buying the lie that, that getting more and better stuff is what life is really all about. Because Jesus says, no. No, verse 15, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. And yet, you know, if we're honest, if we're being honest with ourselves, I wonder how many of our lives kind of reflect the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying. You know, I wonder if we could put a spreadsheet up on the screen here of, of every dollar that you earn and every dollar that you spend and then imagine we got to analyse what, what, what you think life's really all about based on how you spend your money. What might we conclude about you? You know, what might we conclude about what you think life's really all about? Perhaps getting more and better stuff? I mean, it's really, really worth asking ourselves that question, isn't it? Jesus knows the crowd's hearts. And so this topic, it does get him really fired up, but he's only just getting started because he's like, just in case you didn't get that strong warning, here's a story about a man that was so blinded by his own greed that he had no idea what life was all about. From verse 15, look with me, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Okay, pretty simple question. How many of you think you can answer that question? Okay, I'm a rich farmer. I've got lots of crops. I've got nowhere to store my crops. What should I do? You know, any ideas? Of course, give some away, you know, or sell some and give the money away. Bless others with it. Uh, this guy certainly doesn't need more storage space. There's already a lot of storage space around in the mouths of the needy and the poor. You see, why does God bless us? Does God bless us just so that we can build our own pile bigger and bigger and bigger? He doesn't. No, he doesn't. He blesses us so that we can then be a blessing to others. And the bishop who was here last week spoke a lot about that, didn't he? But that's not what this guy's going to do. From verse 18, he said, this is what he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods 
And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see, it's very easy, isn't it, to underestimate the consequences of greed. You know, to just underplay its seriousness. To, uh, to think, you know, if I do all those other sins, um, I'll get myself in a real trouble, you know. Health suffers, relationships suffer. But if I slip up when it comes to greed, I just end up with more cool stuff. You know, it's easy to slip into that. To say, oh, you know, buy something, you go, oh, I know I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, 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 that was greedy. But then you just keep the thousand-inch plasma TV and it's all cool. (laughs) Any eyes just light up anything here. Is there really a thousand-inch plasma? (laughs) Seriously, though, seriously, the consequences of greed are so much more serious than we often realise. Because while greed may satisfy us for a little while in the here and now, Jesus' parable here reminds us that the here and the now is not where things end. Not by a long shot. Because God tells this rich farmer, he says, you're going to die. Not just that, he says, you're going to die tonight. Who will get your pile of stuff then? To which some people may think, no worries. It'll go to my wife and kids, that's okay. I want to have a big pile to hand on to my kids. But why? Honestly, why? Like, why would you want that for them? So that it can distort their life too? What a tragedy that only death opened this rich fool's eyes to the to the to the lies and to the blindness of greed. Because you see, it was only then, only then, and by then, it was too late. What a tragedy that even his death probably still didn't open the eyes of the crowd that he left behind. Now, I imagine that if this guy died today, his Facebook page would be filled with comments, you know, from the crowd that knew him. I imagine his wall would be covered with comments like astute, astute businessman you know, or innovator or leader in his field or successful or a great builder of big barns. But then, summing up his entire life with one word, God posts on his wall. What word would God use? Perhaps selfish. I mean, notice how many times this guy says, I or my. Just have a look. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. I mean, there is no mention here from this guy of, of the poor or the needy or of God or of anybody else. It's just I, 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 my, my, my. It's all mine and it's all for me. I mean, God could have used any number of words really to describe this man. But the word he chooses to sum up the man's entire life is simply this. Fool. You fool. 
Now, you're not meant to say bad things about people after they've died, are you? You're not meant to. But God, he just simply calls it as it is. And part of the reason I think this is so hard for us to hear is because this guy that God calls a fool is not unlike lots of people that we know and love and respect, probably including some of us. You see, this is a hard word. It is a hard word, but it is a word that we need to hear and we need to really be warned by. It's very important, though, that I point out that Jesus isn't saying that this man was a fool because he was a successful businessman or because, you know, he saved for his retirement. Jesus is not saying he's a fool because he was rich. Jesus is saying that this man's a fool because he's not rich towards God, you know, because he lived his life without reference to God, because he lived for stuff and he ignored God, because not only in death does this man lose all his worldly stuff, he loses his soul too. As Jesus says elsewhere, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet to forfeit your soul? So God's verdict on this greedy farmer, you fool. In life, you failed. And in verse 21, Jesus says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. I mean, it's no wonder really that this is such a hot spot for Jesus, is it? It's no wonder that he fires up about it so often that 16 out of his 38 parables are about money and possessions. No wonder Jesus warns us so strongly here to watch out, you know, and to be on our guard against greed. Well, the obvious question then for us is how, you know, how? How should we be on our guard against greed? Now, I've just got a couple of points of application firstly to acknowledge our own vulnerability to it, okay? That it's in the air we breathe, you know? We live in one of the, we live in perhaps the richest time, one of the richest places in world history. That we live in a consumer culture that is driven by an endless hunger for more and more stuff. Where malls like Warringah Mall are treated like shrines. That we live in an economy that actually depends upon you and me constantly saying, I need more and better stuff. Where marketers and retailers and businesses, they survive and they thrive on creating in us a desire for the new and latest thing. You see, in our context, we have to ask ourselves, is greed a major problem for me? Could I, or could greed, be at, or at least, or perhaps even at the top of the list of the things that I need to repent of? You know, could I possibly be blind to my greed? You know, could I need to be watching out more and, and being more in my guard? Because you see, if Jesus spoke such a strong warning to Jewish men and women in the first century, how much, many of, many of them lived just from day to day, how much more strongly would he speak it to us today? Today, where a 10-year-old kid's got more possessions than a first century Jewish farmer. You know, we've got to start really by recognising our own unique vulnerability to greed. You know, that greed is right up there amongst perhaps the greatest of all temptations that we as Christians face today. And I want to say especially in Manly, especially in the culture that we're absorbed here in. Okay, another way to guard against greed, to acknowledge that there's all kinds of greed. Okay, don't just pigeonhole it. There's all kinds. 
Um, you know, you don't need to be, even be rich to be greedy. You can be broke and be greedy. Not as much fun, but you can do it. You know? Also that it's easy. It's very easy to see greed in other people and then by like comparing ourselves to others, just try to justify ourselves. Um, because we've all got some areas where, we're, where our greed is restrained, you know, where we're not materialistic. And so it's really easy, I think, to just simply hold up that area as a shiny example of what we're truly like, all the time just ignoring other glaring, obvious examples of greed in our own lives. Keep those in the blind spots. Take me, for example. I am not, I'm just really not into technical gadgets, okay? Honestly, I could care less about the latest sound system, about the biggest TV, about the newest phone or iPad or tablet or whatever else. Okay, I'm not a materialist when it comes to technology and gadgets. And I like to remind myself about that. You know, I like to congratulate myself about it. I like to say, Mike, you're not a greedy materialist because you don't care about having all the latest technology. But you know what? Since I have been in Manly, a bit over three years, I bought ten new jackets. Was it necessary for me to buy ten jackets? No. But you see, I don't walk around thinking, I've got too many jackets, I'm a really greedy person. Instead, I walk around thinking, I could have the latest fancy phone or an iPad mini, but I don't. I wonder what jacket I should wear tomorrow. <laughs> you see, here's the point. We are not called to compare ourselves to or to become the greed police for other people. God is, uh, you know, we've got enough in our own hearts and in our own lives that we've got to deal with, and that's what God is calling us to. Obviously, I had a jacket issue that I had to deal with. I've dealt with it. <laughs> I haven't bought one for a while. But you see, what's your issue? What is your issue? For some of us, greed may take the form of just always wanting more and more stuff. You know, you're just always thinking about the next thing that you want to buy. For others, it might look, look different. Perhaps um, you're not always buying tons of stuff, but when you do buy something, you've always just got to have the best, top of the line, you won't settle for anything less. For others, maybe greed is expressed not in a lavish lifestyle, but like in a craving to have lots of savings, you know? to give you a sense of security. For others, maybe greed is expressed as a lack of joy or an unwillingness to share with others. Okay, So you're not buying stuff for yourself, but you're not buying stuff for anyone either, anyone else. It comes in many forms. See, whatever it is for you, the place to start is to really identify your own issues with greed. You know, to name them and then to repent of them. Because greed takes many forms, which is why Jesus says here, watch out, be on your guard against what? All kinds of greed. Okay, so that's what he says to the crowd. Well, after addressing the crowd, Jesus then turns to his own disciples. Okay, and he goes a little bit deeper about what it means for them and for you and I if we follow Jesus today. I've got to be super brief on this. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going for time, but I'll, I'll be briefer on this. From verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, do not worry about your life, okay, about what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Now, it's exactly the same theme as what he said to the crowd, right? 
that life is not about being rich in possessions, you know, like food and clothes. Sure, yes, we need to eat some food, we need to wear some clothes to get on with the main game of being rich towards God, but don't let things like food and clothes become the main game. Now, it's not so easy in our culture because if we immerse ourselves in this culture, just think about today's culture's obsession with fine dining and fashion. I wonder how much you know, time and effort and money you devote to having uh, nicer food and you know, wine and order better clothes. Honestly, is this perhaps an issue for you? For me, I'm no foodie. I'm no foodie, and so I could really care less about fancy food and wine. I've, I've, got an, I've had an issue with jackets. <laughs> Jesus says, don't set your heart on this stuff. He says, instead, seek God's kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. He's like, he's like don't worry. You know, from verse 32, he says, don't be afraid. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You know, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor, provide persons for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. You see, if you're a Christian, you've got to remember the order of things. You've always got to remember the order that grace always comes first. Okay, that God doesn't say, you know, sell your possessions and give to the poor and then I'll give you the kingdom. He says the exact opposite. But you see, it's only when you get this, you know, it's only when you can truly see what God has already given you that you can then be truly freed from greed and be liberated to seek first God's kingdom. You know, not storing up for yourself, but selling and giving. Giving. Giving to the work of God's kingdom. You know, giving generously and self-sacrificially to Christian ministry. Giving in a way that, that truly liberates you from greed. The question is, and this is an important question, can you truly see what God has already given you? You know, can you see that on that cross, Jesus sold and liquidated everything at infinite cost to himself. Why? So that we could have the riches of God. So that we could be rich towards God. That Jesus gave everything for you to make you his treasure. Because you see, it is only, only when you know that it is only when you truly believe that that money will just be money. Stuff will just be stuff. It won't be your security. You won't need to worry about it, set your heart on it and run after it. It'll just be money and stuff. And so instead of seeking and treasuring that, you know, to build your own bigger barns, your own little kingdom... You'll treasure God's kingdom first. You know, you'll seek God's kingdom above all others. You will follow Jesus as king above all others. Why? Because as Jesus says here in verse 34, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And so I'm just going to wrap things up today with a final question, and that is simply, where is your treasure? Honestly, who or what are you truly living for? Because that is where your heart is. You know, if we expanded that spreadsheet that I mentioned earlier, you know, the one that we could put up on the screen, if, if we expanded that to include not only how you spend your money but also how you spend your time and talents too, what would that show about you? You know, where your money goes, where you use your time, where your efforts lie, what would it show? Like, would it show here's a person, would it show clearly here's a person who is rich towards God, who is seeking first God's kingdom, who is giving generously to the work of gospel ministry, you know, tithing as a bare minimum of their money and of their time and of their talents? Or would it show here's someone who's rich towards themselves, their home, their hobbies, their food, their fashion, who's seeking their own little kingdom? You see, friends, if God truly has your heart, if he truly has your heart, your money, your time, your talents, they'll go in the right direction. God will know. And it'll show. It'll show in what you treasure. Will you join me in a word of prayer to finish? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us today. We pray that you would help us by your spirit to trust you and obey. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.